It's an exciting day around these parts, and it's not just because it's World Series Eve. No, today we're talking about all things Twins Farm System with Aram Layton of Just Baseball. Might I suggest you buckle up? This is Locked On Twins. You are Locked On Twins. Your daily Minnesota Twins podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello again and welcome back to Locked On Twins. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see I have a running mate today. We'll get to him in just a second. But I'm your host, Brandon Warren, and you can unfollow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore W-A-R-N-E. Thanks for making Locked On Twins your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast, whatever app you prefer. And then also on YouTube. And of course, as part of the Locked On Podcast Network, we're your team every day. I know I harp on this all the time, but if you're in the comments section on YouTube, please, please, please feel free to be active in there. I had one person even reach out and say they were excited for this episode when they heard out about who was going to be on it. Also, if you have questions you would like answered in the show, we're all ears at Brandon underscore Warren at Locked on Twins. We're just going to dive right in. Aram Layton is our guest today from Just Baseball. What's going on, man? How you doing? I'm doing well, man. Thanks for having me on. I've uh, enjoyed keeping up with you on Twitter for you know several months now, maybe even a year. I don't even know, but enjoy your stuff. So it's nice to you know finally get together now and, and chop it up. So if anybody listening and or watching is not familiar with you, um, how did you get into your kind of role? I mean, just baseball as near as I can tell is your passion project. Yes. But um, how did you get into this? Yeah, I mean, it's a great question. I I played my whole life and uh, was committed to playing college and tore my labrum. And at that mm. point, was just like I had teammates that were going on to play professionally or or Division One, and I was like, I'm not that good. So I was like, I'm going to try to come back from the shoulder just to fight back and barely play in college and whatever. So for me, I was like, okay, that's not worth it. What's the next best thing? Cover sports. And so went to Syracuse and, and went the journalism route. But how I fell into the prospect side of things was I took a job on the Cape doing play-by-play. And that was fun. I really liked broadcasting. But I fell way more in love with the process, right? These scouts and evaluators kind of, hey, is Nick Gonzalez in the lineup today? Hey, is this guy in the lineup? Whatever. And I would start chatting up with them, talking to them about, you know, what they're doing and what they're looking for. And as my friends, my former teammates were going through their draft process, I really fell in love with it. And uh, that's kind of where I started to lean into it. And then coincidentally hosted the show locked on MLB prospects back in the day. Yeah. That was uh, they, they, I pitched them on that idea. They were, kind enough to take a chance on me with that. And it really gave me an opportunity to kind of build myself from there. So then it just kept rolling. And uh, here we are a couple of years later, uh, continuing to churn out prospect content and going out to Arizona in a couple of days to go check out the fall league. So uh, looking forward to that. How quickly did that all come together? Because sometimes those realizations are boom, boom, boom. You know, what, what you're doing is uh, exactly what you want. And then there's people like me who kind of, tumble down the hill hitting different things on the path until we get to where we land which is hosting a podcast and talking to fine people like you uh did it take you a long time to realize you had that level of interest in prospects and sort of like the uh before the big league side of things yeah definitely you know i, I always thought i always love to write you know and i always thought writing podcast 
put the two together, right? It's hard to make money in this world here, but if you do both, you know, I figured I'll just kind of freelance my way and then hopefully figure it out from there. Um, and again, I liked the play-by-play side of it, but I wanted to get deeper into the game and, and not that people that do play-by-play aren't deep into it. I mean, it's a different art and it's really hard and I really mm-hmm. gained an appreciation for it, but I wanted to be like entrenched in it. You know, again, I'd get to the games early. We do our prep for the games and then I'd be on the field just asking these guys what they're working on in their swings, what moves they're trying to find, you know, the fields that they're trying to get there. And it was like, the baseball player in me was still in there. So mm-hmm. it took me probably a couple of years, probably to like my almost till I was graduating to realize, hey, maybe I don't want to go on the, the broadcast side. And uh, once that realization kind of set in, I just went head first into it. I didn't think people would care that much about my opinion or things like that. So I just wrote and broke it down. I figured, OK, if people don't know who I am. I'm going to make the most detailed write ups on each of these prospects so that people can't say that I didn't put the time in. Look, if you disagree, you disagree. But you know, right. I'm talking to these guys. I'm breaking it down. I have quotes from them. I have data. And I just figured if I want to you know, make people trust what I'm saying and help them believe in, in what I'm doing, I just have to work harder, as corny as that sounds, and, right. and have the most detailed write-ups and, and be as specific and particular as possible. And um, I, I was really blessed that that resonated with people, and it kind of grew from there. Well, and that material you're getting on the field, you're not really going to use very much as a play-by-play announcer. And so I think there's value in understanding that the meal that you are having at that moment isn't going to fulfill you. It's going to get to fill you mm-hmm. up. It might scratch an itch. It might be a snack, but it's not where you want to be. Also, too, and I don't know if you know this, but the predecessor here on Locked on Twins, Nash Walker, does play-by-play for the Reno Aces now. Um, so quite a jump for him. I, I can say confidently that will not be where I go next. <laughs> no matter if it's uh, next month, next year, next decade, I am probably not going to be doing play-by-play. I've done it before. I just, I don't think I have that skill set to do it on a regular basis. Uh, I'm with you. I I would love to do it for like special occasions. Maybe I'll do a celebrity softball game or something, but it's a rigor, man. My my co-host on the Just Baseball show, Jack McMullen, is a triple A broadcaster for Indianapolis. That's the affiliate of the, uh, of the Pirates. And I mean, I just, he's so freaking good, first of all, but second of all, like, it is an impressive grind that he goes through and you got to really love it. And and it's just such a difficult art to continue to get better and better at. Uh, but on the just baseball side, yeah, once things kind of got rolling, COVID kind of worked in our favor in terms of putting the world sure. on, on yeah, at, at a stop. It was a horrible time for everybody mm-hmm. and a horrible time for the entire world. But the one thing was that's where we graduated from college and a lot of my classmates that were way overqualified in my journalism program to, you know, come on and, and do something for free with a little passion project, as you mentioned, were like, oh, well, I got nothing going on. So I pitched them sure. on the idea, what I wanted to do, the website, the social media accounts, the the podcast network, and um, like, sure. And by the time the world kind of got back to normal, I was able to at least offer them something to where it's worth their while part-time and uh, can actually make a living off of it. And that from that lens, it's been a dream come true so far here with, with just baseball and everything. And that's what it's all about, honestly. Um, getting back what you put in. Um, you know, some people want to do it as a hobby, some people want to do it as a career, and then there's a varying different levels of gray in between there. Um, I want to try get you to walk me through your evaluation process with mm-hmm. a guy, and I'm, I'm picking out a very specific prospect, not because I'm trolling the people in my Twitter feed, but because I'm genuinely curious. How do you evaluate a guy like Kyle Manzardo, uh, Aaron Savali trade? I see a lot of Guardians fans getting excited about a first base 
prospect. Yeah. And to me, I, I'm like, you know, maybe there's a, you know, there's always a Ryan Howard or a Freddie Freeman or a Paul Goldschmidt, but for each one of those guys, there's a Matt Laporta or yeah. a Chris Carter, or, I mean, maybe not as high ranked, but uh, you could be Anthony Rizzo. You could be Freddie Freeman. You could be anywhere in between, or you could be worse. Um, how excited should Guardians fans be about Manzardo? And how do you evaluate a first baseman differently than, say, the rest of the field? Yeah, I, it's a great question. And it's funny because I was diving into kind of the history of, of the rankings, and and I wanted to see positionally how it broke down the other day. And we have two first basemen on, on, on our top 100 list. Are there some guys that may end up at first base? Sure. But guys that are currently first baseman, there's only two. Manzardo is one of them, and, and you know his track record speaks for itself. And you know he's without a doubt a, a top 100 prospect. And then Xavier Isaac's a guy with the Rays that I've been extremely high on for a long time, and I think he's got 40 home run upside. But the process with a first baseman and someone like Manzardo is, I mean, they've got to really, really, really hit. Like the bar is just so much higher for those guys, and. The tough part with him and what made him kind of a unique prospect that was hard to to value is, you know, you got to hit for power there too. And with Manzardo, the power output was decent at the lower levels and actually pretty good at the lower levels, but the exit velocities were not off the charts. And, you know, you started to see some concerns in that regard. Is he going to be able to slug enough? And so that was something I was watching pretty closely. What he starts to do is you know, puts on a little bit more strength, starts hitting the ball a little bit harder. But with that came, you know, a lower batting average on balls in play. All of a sudden now he's not hitting for as much average period. Now he's striking out a little bit more. Then he finds this balance in between. And that's where I felt really good about what we were seeing. But you got to kind of put each player in a bucket and in and, and a bucket. Of, and I don't like to cookie cut, but you got to put them in a bucket of what their profile is. And then what do they exceed at? in that bucket to be able to be a successful version of that player first sure. base masher. You either got to be, I mean, I think it's non-negotiable. You have to have at least average or above average power, but right. kind of like a sliding scale. If your power is closer to average, your hit better be you know, almost exceeding plus. But if your hit is, is fringy, then your power better be exceeding plus with Manzardo. He was kind of that tweener. And then mm -hmm. this year, he battled some injuries, but came back from a shoulder issue and the exit velocities were up again, driving the ball in the air now, but with a balance of not giving up all the line drives and, and finding kind of that in-between ground, which was good. And I think we're seeing it now in the AFL where he's hitting balls really hard. So I think they've got their first baseman there. I think he's very similar to a, a Josh Naylor type. Ironically, I think that's part of the reason why they targeted him. I don't think he's Rizzo. I don't think he's, you know, he's changing your franchise, but it was a really good piece for them to get in that deal. And I think he's going to be a part of their ball club next year. So much so that you'd trade Savali though. Yeah, that, that was, that was the interesting thing. I, I, I think mm -hmm. for them, they always wanted to move an arm, right? Like they were, they were going to do that. And it was always going to be Bieber. They, then Bieber they goes probably down. Didn't get enough, and they probably wouldn't have gotten enough for Bieber in that moment. No. And like you said, yeah, I forgot, I forgot that he got hurt. Of course he wasn't going to be traded then. And they needed power badly. And and I know that, again, it's not off the charts power, but it's 20 to 25 homers. And the Those other side of it too. is he fits their profile. They love guys who don't expand the zone and walk a mm -hmm. ton. And that's the other side of it too. That's kind of the, the one thing that can push you over the top. If you're a little bit of the tweener, if you walk a bunch, and that's how Ty France wrote it as far as he could. Now it's he's struggling to hit enough, and, and the power mm -hmm. limitations start to, to kind of rear their head. But yep. – now with, with a guy, and he's too aggressive now, but with a guy like Manzardo, walks at a 13%, 14% clip, 
like that takes a little bit of the the volatility and the concern out of there. And okay, 20 home runs, but with a high OBP, all of a sudden that OPS is inflated a little bit higher. Uh, that's it's kind of trying to put all the pieces of the puzzle together, but he needed to show some more power and he finally has. Yeah, guys like France, you get in that weird ether of like 750 OPS where it doesn't, if you drop anywhere off that, you're basically not useful at all. And if you're above that, you know, you're a, you're a valuable every day, whether it's first, because he can move around a little bit. But I, I like that as a uh, a test case there. I, I do have to take a quick second here. I want to come back and ask you about the Arizona Fall League and the Twins, because it's not going very well. I know you're headed there soon. But first, we have to hear from our friends at Ibotta. And our friends at Ibotta said, uh, big holidays mean big family get-togethers, but you don't have to spend all that money on the Thanksgiving spread without getting something in return. With Ibotta, you can get your turkey and all of your favorite sides for free. Hard to believe that we're that close to Thanksgiving, but it's getting there. Starting November 1st, for the fourth year in a row, Ibotta is giving 100% cash back on your Thanksgiving feast. Just add the offers in the app to redeem for everything you need to make your Thanksgiving feast complete. All you have to do is shop at your favorite retailers and upload your receipt. Ibotta gives you cash back on hundreds of grocery items from produce to personal care to pantry goods, so you can make sure you're beating inflation no matter what you're purchasing. Other apps may give you points, but they don't amount to that much. With Ibotta, you get real cash back and you can cash out to your bank account, PayPal, or gift cards. You can also earn cash back or hundreds on hundreds, easy for me to say, of online brands and retailers too. When you start with Ibotta, including Lowe's, Macy's, Sephora, Best Buy, and more, just download the Ibotta app now and use code MLB to get 100% cash back on your Thanksgiving dinner starting November 1st. Just go to the App Store or Google Play Store and download the free Ibotta app. That's I-B-O-T-T-A. And it's in the Google Play or App Store. And use the code MLB for 100% cash back on your Thanksgiving feast. All right, we're back here with Aram Layton. And Aram, you mentioned the AFL with Kyle Manzardo, and it reminded me that I had done a little bit on the AFL in the most recent episode, just kind of an update. And um, I keep seeing highlights. Kalai Rosario hitting the crap out of the ball. Aaron Sabato hitting home runs. Then you go look at the numbers. Hmm. I'm not sure a team is worse represented at the AFL than the Twins right now. you got Jordan Carr, who has been – uh, interesting, not not very many strikeouts, but at least on the radar as someone who's doing something. But I think each of the three Twins hitters are hitting under 200. And then uh, Malik, I can't think of his last name. He's He's been just beat up, the, the pitcher. Um, it, it's been ugly for the Twins in the AFL. What do you make of that? Yeah, you know, it, it's it's interesting because you look at like who they sent, right? And and it, and again, some teams will send guys that are on the cusp of, of going to the big leagues like a Manzardo to focus yep. on something extremely particular. And I think for him, it was doing damage with who or you send guys who are struggling and trying to find their footing and and try to get some momentum going into next year and work on things in a little bit more of a controlled setting, right, where the games don't really matter as much. Uh, not that really they ever matter in the minors, but they matter even less, you know, in the Arizona Fall League. And, and it was Malik Barrington, by the way. And I think he's the, one of those guys, like you're explaining, to get his feet under him. Exactly. And you look at the hitters, right? Rosario, super talented, crazy mm -hmm. power potential, but the hit has just always been the question and, and it continues to be. Uh, Sabato, I mean, we know what kind of power he has. That's That came with the draft pedigree, but just has not put it together uh, as a pro. Makes sense to send him there. But Cassetti, like that's someone that I was expecting to 
to do well out there. And, you know, it's, it's mm-hmm. a little bit surprising that he isn't putting up big numbers, but also long year catcher. A lot of these guys are very tired at the end of the year. It's like, it, it's tough because you, you want to go to the fall league. It's, it's an honor. And it shows that the team is, you know, prioritizing you in some way or another, mm-hmm. but also a lot of these guys are tired, especially catchers. So I, I could chalk it up to that with Cassetti. Cause I was, I was expecting him to, you know, put up some big numbers here. Still time to finish strong. You have three good games. All of a sudden your numbers are great. Uh, but I, I, I don't put too much uh, concern into that. I think there's some really positive flashes, especially with Rosario. Uh, but for him, I think as well, it's working on the defense in the outfield, trying to just be passable out there. Um, and I think for Sabato, it was getting more at bats. And Cassetti, it's, I think this is one of our top guys behind the dish, just one of our prospects that's rising really, really quickly. Let's see if he can c- continue to prove that to us. Do you think Sabato is going to get rule five? Because I don't, I, I know rule five is usually an athletic guy and up the middle guy, a reliever with big stuff and he hasn't hit, but just from the power, is there a possibility or is it no go? I don't think so because there's just too many guys nowadays that are just power risky at the upper mm-hmm. levels that yep. got passed on. Um, and I think with, with Sabato, just it's the numbers just haven't been there. Um, and, and he hasn't played above double. So I think he's safe in that regard. Um, it's it just, it's surprising that we're at this point with him. That said, I thought he showed some flashes this year. There was some, I think a little bit of life with him. Uh, but mm-hmm. yeah, I, I, I don't think any teams, you know, taking a shot on him given, you know, how far off he seems right now. Yeah. I, I don't necessarily either, but I also could see a situation where the twins, don't protect him. And I don't think they will. Uh, and he gets snapped up by like the A's with like a second, like if they do a second rule five pick, you know, around two, which is so rare. Um, I, you know, I could see him hitting like 20 homers with a 720 OPS and the casuals being really upset about it. I mean, it wouldn't shock me because the only reason why it could somehow happen is, is the first round pedigree. And if, if a team feels like they see something that they can tweak and fix with them, then absolutely. But you look at like when the A's did last year with Orion Noda, that guy had hit at every single level. It was, it was remarkable that he was actually available right. to me. I thought he'd, he'd be the number one pick uh, in this thing. And, and he also came with a little bit of versatility first can play a passable corner, but you never know if a team feels like they can, they can fix something. There's been crazier things in the rule five, but I think the twins can probably, you know, sleep pretty soundly the, the night before that comes. <laughs> the, the twins have two catcher types that are rule five eligible and Alex Isola and Chris Williams. Uh, would either of them show you enough to be added to the, uh, the roster this off season? Because the twins had tremendous, tremendous catcher health this year with Ryan Jeffers and, um, and Christian Vasquez. And I don't think you can count on that again. It's really hard to go a full year without a third catcher on your 40 do you think that one of those guys could be added? They both mashed last year. I don't know enough about them defensively, but do, or do they go the route of like a Sandy Leone type, not Sandy Leone specifically, but you keep a guy like that in your minors as a break glass in case of uh, like Bobby Wilson and Chris Jim as before him. Do you think either of those guys make sense to add to kind of hedge against one of the top two guys getting hurt? I think so because I feel like Christian Vasquez is like an elevated version of like the the old vet that you're gonna add yep. at this yep. point, and, and I know it's disappointing that that's what he he kind of ha- has become. But he's like Henry Henry Blanco from 15, 10 years ago, right? And I know he's a drive line, but I, I saw the video of of his work at a drive line and it almost made me feel worse. 
Um, yeah. I, I just, but again, he's got time to work and everything and, and get right. But I feel like he's the guy that could end up being that, that reserve third guy. And I think mm-hmm. you have a little bit more upside with, with some of these younger guys who have mashed, you know, in triple a, I could see one of those guys getting added to the roster, to be honest. And, and it wouldn't surprise me at all. And I think, I think a, a little bit of a competition through the spring and see you know, who performs because you don't need Vasquez to get a ton of at bats in spring training. You can, you can prioritize right. those younger guys and you know, see who performs in the spring. Yeah. And they're both uh, in their, their 25, 26. So it's not like if you add them and they stink, you're going to have ruined them as a player. It's uh, you kind of are who you are at that point. Um, I want to talk about the system and the top of it. Cause you have three guys in your top hundred from the twins but I do got to take a quick second. We're going to talk about Jace Medical, and then we'll come back and wrap it up with you. So our friends over at Jace want you to know there's a lot of uncertainty in the world today, and it's important to be prepared. Maybe you're traveling overseas. Maybe you're traveling to Arizona for the Fall League. How about mm-hmm. that? Uh, but maybe there are events that take place that are out of your control. Don't let your health be out of your control because Jace Medical wants it to be in your control. That's why they have the Jace case. The Jace case is a personalized emergency medication kit that contains five essential antibiotics to treat the most common and deadly bacterial infections. In previous shows, I've shown mine on the screen. It's smaller than what you would take with you for your toiletries on a trip. Small, not uh, you barely even notice you have it. It's perfect, convenient, all that good stuff. And now they uh, they customize your case and you get additional life-saving medic- medications, easy for me to say again, based on your unique needs. Jace also offers customizability for your Jace case with dozens of add-on medications. So choose the medications that best fit you and your family's unique needs. Or you can also buy a gift card for family or your loved ones so that they can get a Jace case of their own. Go to jacemedical.com and enter code locked on. At checkout for 20 bucks off your first order. That's promo code locked on at J A S E medical.com. So we look at the just baseball top 100 prospect list that was most recently updated, I think 10 days ago, if I'm not mistaken. And you got three yeah. twins on there. I miscounted initially and said five. Um, maybe I sh- maybe, maybe that was why I decided to have you on the show because you were so good to the twin. I'm kidding. Um, but um, so we, we could, we could, I could hop off now that now that's only three. Uh, we're already too far into this. <laughs> so, uh, no, um, so Walker Jenkins, can you kind of un, unintended walk me through what kind of path you could see for him? Is he going to be a fast mover? Is he going to be, um, like I know comps are a no go in I... the industry, but is he, is he a Cody Bellinger type of player? Is he a faster, you know, will move better corner outfielder. Like what does the profile look to you if it comes to fruition? Huh? Yeah. So it's funny. I, I don't like comps to like put an expectation on a player. I don't mind comps when it's like a relative profile, just to understand what kind of player they are. Like you asked, I think that makes total sense. And sometimes there's uncanny similarities with players and that's where it's okay. But yeah, the the automatic comps sometimes can get, can get a little frustrating. A guy guy that looks like Josh Naylor can have an 800 OPS and a guy that looks like Max Kepler can have an 800 OPS and they look nothing alike. How do they get there? Yeah. Right. And so when you envision Jenkins, what do you see? Yeah, honestly, tools across the board, man. And and he was my favorite prep guy out of this class Mm -hmm. and, and one of my favorites in a long time. I mean, I know Jackson Holiday is a consensus number one prospect now, uh, but in terms of who I liked out of high school, like from what I was able to see, 
and, and the data I had, you know, accessible. Jenkins is as much of a favorite of mine as, as I've had in some time. And, you know, it's tools across the board, size, still physical projection. But the biggest thing for me is the feel to hit. And that's yep. what stands out the most is a guy that's as young and as big as he is to still have the, the fluidity of his swing, the adjustability, the feel for the barrel. It's a really advanced swing. And the wheels that he has for a guy that's 6'3", 200 and whatever pounds. I see a similar type of, of offensive game. Again, this would everything would have to work out really well. I do think he's going to move quickly because he has a good approach as well, low chase rate. Yep. Something along the lines of like a Kyle Tucker type of production I think is like what you're what you're dreaming on here, right? It's it's above average power that flashes a plus, you know, but it probably mm -hmm. settles somewhere in between in the game power. Good speed, probably could plug in center, but you 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 don't put him there because you have somebody else that can play center. Right. But he plays right. a really good corner, um, and and I think that's where I see Jenkins settling in. And Kyle Tucker is one of my favorite players in Major League Baseball, so <laughs> I I think that's the the profile ish that you could, you can envision yep. there. Cause he's, he's going to well, steal some bags too. Well, Doug Mankiewicz said that in any other year, if he went number one or even this year, you wouldn't have batted an eye. Do you concur with that assessment? Yeah. I, I said that funny enough. I brought that up on, on our prospect podcast, the call up that, you know, in the draft before it was, it was wide open, you know, in 2022, who was going to go number one. You heard Drew Jones, you heard Brooks mm -hmm. Lee a little bit. You heard yep. Tamar, you heard, you heard everybody. Um, and, and now it, turns out the Orioles nailed it. And, and if you do a yeah. redraft, it's a far and away, it's Jackson holiday, but I, I would have made the case at the time, you know, without the hindsight perspective here, I think Walker Jenkins would have been my number one pick there. And, you know, now would I probably take Jackson holiday? Yeah. Cause he's, he's unbelievably insane, but I think given the circumstances, given the tools and, and the pedigree, I would have probably went Walker Jenkins there. So yeah, I, I that, that resonates with me. So Walker is, 10th for you. Um, I'm pulling up Brooks Lee. Uh, the Twins, though, in back-to-back -back drafts got 1-1 one, one potential caliber talents, yeah. you'd say. Yes. Unbelievable. Which, it, it's unreal. I, it's, I joked when we recapped the draft that it was ridiculous that they got Brooks Lee. And then yep. it, I thought it was equally as ridiculous that they got Walker Jenkins, but that was more likely of an outcome because of just the way the dominoes fell. You have two almost generational college type prospects. And then, mm -hmm. you know, you have one early pick on Max Clark. A lot of people assumed Clark was going to go ahead of him anyways. I didn't think that was the right move, but you know, that wasn't a shocker, but it's crazy to have that happen back to back years. And it puts them in a really good spot. Yeah. Only three top 100 prospects here, but because they got two guys that I thought were, arguably top two or three players in, in their draft class. You have three prospects in the top 30 for us at just baseball. And I don't think anybody else, any other team has that. I know the Rangers oh, yeah. have two top five guys, but well, I don't think they have anybody else in the top 30. The, the twins have three top 30 guys. And uh, I think that's pretty remarkable. And Lee, I mean, he's been everything that you would have expected. The reason why mm -hmm. he was supposed to go one, one isn't because he's going to be a perennial, you know, MVP candidate. It's because, He's as high probability of a big leaguer as you're going to find out of the draft still has exciting upside. And he's been exactly that through the minor leagues. And the one concern was health and knock on wood. He's been healthy and he's looked good. Finally, a twins prospect staying healthy. How about that? Yeah. Uh, but look into your, uh, your prognostication, your crystal ball, if you will, five years from now, let's say opening day, 2029. What position is Brooks Lee playing? That is a great question because the twins, 
the twins blow my mind as much as any team in terms of like, how are they going to sort this whole infield? They have a, they have they a really good roster. Like I all year long kept saying, this team is good. This team is good. And I kept getting annihilated by the trolls, but dude, they just keep coming They're and good. coming and coming. And it's, it's without CES. It's without Spencer steer. Like, it's not like this is the best farm system you've ever seen, but you you got to start peeling off that depth and finding pieces because you can't have them all. Like the Dodgers a few years ago had all these guys kind of, you know, at, at getting to the big leagues and they had to start parting it out because your 40 man just gets too crowded and, and they got to go sign a superstar every offseason besides. No, it's a great point. And that's why I, I love farm system rankings and that stuff's all fun. But to be honest, what's more indicative of sustainable success should be talent under 26, 27 years old rankings, right? Or talent mm -hmm. with three plus years of control. And the twins are up there with anybody because you have the entire roster that, that we could go through. But to answer the question, I assume at that point, you know, Carlos Correa is not playing short anymore, you know, and, and maybe, maybe not. We'll see, you know, I don't know what the situation will be, but let's assume just to make my life a little bit easier. He's not Lewis. I love him at third. I think he's a gold glove caliber third baseman, but maybe he eventually slots over to shortstop. Mm -hmm. I think Brooks Lee projects best at third. Um, you okay. know, he could play a good second base as well. He's fundamentally sound. It, it is really just that he's not going to miss a ball to him. Like he's going to be a guy that's going to grade out really well, I think, in DRS. And then maybe oh, outs above average doesn't love him as much. But I don't care. Like he's going to make all the Classic plays that are towards him. Yeah, it, he's just going to make the plays. And so I think at third base – like that's a perfect spot for him. Second base, maybe as well. The range is a little stretched thin at short. And if you have Royce Lewis, like no brainer to have them, him there, but he plays a good short. He can stick there. I just think with the options that they have, probably third base would be my answer. Nice. Well, dude, I have so many questions. I still want to ask you and we're running out of time. I got one more about Emmanuel Rodriguez and then we'll have to let you go just so we stay in our time limit here, but true or false. Uh, it would be a good time to trade Emmanuel Rodriguez if they could get something for him that they really like. Because here's the deal. Here's the deal. I'm envisioning a scenario where they could maybe get like Jesus Lazardo for him. Are you, if, I love Emmanuel Rodriguez, and I know he's he's got the potential to be a stud. He's got kind of that poor man's Juan Soto profile. Again, comps though, comps, comps, comps to the guy who's got the best eye since probably Ted Williams. We don't want to do that. Does, is there any circumstance where you could see moving from him or is it just, gosh, this guy's so good, find another way? Um, you know, I think if, if you have an opportunity like that, right, to, to get a pitcher that can change your big league roster now and yeah. comes with some control, then yep. that's probably the guy you're parting with. Like, I'm not parting with Walker Jenkins. I would say, though, like, Brooks Lee's awesome, but you're mm -hmm. less likely to, I feel like, regret, like, drastically parting with Brooks Lee. Like there's a yeah. higher probability of him being a really solid baseball player. Well, like if he's a if he's an Ian Kinsler player, he plays forever and is a really nice player. Are you going to regret that if Emmanuel Rodriguez becomes right. like Emmanuel Rodriguez could be literally flame out, never even make the big leagues Correct. or a Hall of Famer? Correct, and, and that's that's the thing. So it's do you want to sell off volatility or do you want to sell off a high probability big leaguer? We just talked about how deep the roster is and how how yeah. much talent they have. I'd rather hold on to the volatility because of, yep. of what the top end outcome could be and mm -hmm. part with kind of the, the higher floor, lower ceiling guy in Brooks Lee. That said, I wouldn't let Emmanuel stop me from getting someone that could change my team. But I think a lot of teams, yep. you know, would value Brooks Lee in a similar light and yep. he's kind of blocked in some ways. Like it's going to be interesting to see how they can try to find 
some some ABs for him because he's pretty much close to big league ready. So yeah. it would take a perfect deal because I think Emmanuel Rodriguez, in terms of his ability to play the outfield, which is underrated, and I think some of the most ridiculous raw power. And then you mentioned, you know, the the eye that he has. I mean, he runs a chase rate around 15%. This dude did a ball 117 miles an hour this year, this past season. And it's age 19 season. Like, and there's going to be more in there. And and he got better and better and better as the year went on. I, I think he can be scary. Well, you still though, like I just I see a, a scenario where they to replace Sonny Gray go for a pitcher with control, um, and then sign maybe a position player. I, I want Cody Bellinger. It's not going to happen, but it's what I'd like to see because they're injury prone at center field and first base. Oh, by the way, he plays both of those spots. <laughs> so. Uh, We'll see what happens, but Hey, thank you so much for coming on. Let's uh, let's, before we go, give you a chance to kind of plug what you do at just baseball and uh, people need to follow you. They need to follow just baseball. Absolutely love it. But the floor is yours. Thank you so much. Uh, so we have the just baseball show, which we're joined by Walker Bueller every Monday. That's a lot of fun. Um, that's every single <laughs> yeah. day covering the playoffs wow. and, and all that good stuff. But on the prospect side, I host uh, our prospect podcast, The Call Up, as well. And we're doing team top prospect lists all offseason. Just did the Padres. We're going to go division by division. So we'll probably do the Twins some point next month. You know, continuously doing top 100 updates, prospect interviews. So we'll be talking to some some Twins prospects throughout the offseason as well. Um, and, and that's a really fun podcast that I'm really excited about continuing to grow there as well, available on all platforms. And then uh, justbaseball.com is where you can see all of those prospect rankings as well. And you can follow me on Twitter at rmwayton8. But thank you so much for having me on, man. Uh, are you team Rangers or snakes? I love the D-backs because they have a lot of my favorite prospects. A lot that of I've, babies, I've right? For a while, Corbin so. Carroll. And, yeah. okay. I, I'm all in on you know Moreno, Carroll. I want to see yep. them do it. So I, I, I love the Rangers. I can't lie. They're a likable team, but I'm in on the D-backs doing something that'll just piss all the people off that um, are so riled up about the, the playoff format. I love the idea that uh, neither of these teams have really done much in recent years, and it's going to be a whole new experience for whoever wins. So, hey, thank you, Aram, so much for taking time out to join me. We got to talk again real soon because there's so much material I left on the cutting floor, and you were phenomenal. But until next time, everyone, this has been Locked on Twins, and we'll catch you soon.